0: I know what
1: you are. Say it.
0: A podcast! Hi, and welcome to Breaking Twilight. This week, we watched Eclipse and... God, we're just really tired, okay?
1: I'm Steve, your fell asleep during this one host.
0: I'm Gwen, your gratuitous
2: exposition host. I'm Space, your guest who has just finished eating lunch host. <laughs>
1: Originally, it was going to be breakfast, but we yeah worked on <laughs> this script for a bit longer than intended. <laughs> we really did. Yeah. So we watched Eclipse
0: this time with a brand new guest host. We gave Alex the week off. We figured two movies was enough to put one person through. So <laughs> now we have Space. Say hello, Space.
2: Hello. Uh, thank you so much for having me here.
1: <laughs> so Space has never seen a single Twilight movie. read the books so bringing them in for the third movie with zero context just just seemed like the right move especially with eclipse such a great movie for someone with no context uh any first impressions you want to share before we get into it space uh i would like to clarify my um twilight
2: exposure has been limited to the first hundred pages of the first book about a decade ago um so, yeah, it, it is practically non-existent, but it did kind of happen. Um, but yeah, this movie, it sucked. It sucked so much. <laughs> Boy, howdy. <laughs> it was a time... I think... Oh, yeah. I think... I'm, I'm still, like, processing... We watched this yesterday, and I just... Half of it seems like a fever dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a very, very valid take. I could say that about
0: this whole podcast. I mean, to be fair, the source material that it's based off of was a fever dream, so... That's
1: true. I don't know if Space knows that. (laughs) It was a fever dream?
2: What?
0: Yeah, uh, Stephanie Meyer started writing it because she had a dream about a very sparkly vampire in a meadow with a human girl and didn't know anything about vampires, didn't bother to look up anything about vampires, just started
2: writing it. Oh, I noticed. Yeah. I mean, like... I respect her for that, but honestly, it should have stayed as like a short 2K fit piece that she published (laughs) in the original work section of AO3.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So this is movie number three. Um, Do we want to give a quick recap of the story so far? Sure, I will give a quick recap of the story so far. So movie one,
0: Bella meets Edward. They date. They meet another coven of vampires and one of them, who is James, super wants to eat her. He almost does, but Edward rescues her at the very last minute and they kill James, but not his partner, Victoria. Movie 2. Edward decides to leave Bella and disappear into the night because he doesn't think that it's safe for him to date her. Jacob, during this time, goes through werewolf puberty and is a werewolf now. Edward decides to kill himself in a very dramatic way, which is to get the vampire mafia to murder him. So Alice and Bella go to Italy to stop him from doing that. The vampire godfather gets really mad that Bella, who is a human person, knows about the vampires. So Alice promises him that Bella will be a vampire in the near future and he lets them go. When they get back to Forks, Edward is like, no, I don't want to do that unless you marry me like a threat.
2: So this is all, actually, this is more than I knew about. The movie going in there are a couple of points in there that um were omitted probably because you forgot so that was my background <laughs> context to what we were doing there was a lot
1: happening all at
2: once <laughs> there it, it's a lot yeah
0: we're gonna try something different this time around normally we do a run through of the movie and stop in between to discuss and that takes forever so this time i'm gonna give you a quick recap and then we're gonna give opinions so movie three Victoria is in Seattle, making a bunch of vampires to kill the Cullens out of revenge for James. Jacob and Edward are having a pissing contest over who Bella loves more throughout the entire movie and both are acting very abusively. Jacob takes Bella to the reservation and the other wolves are very excited to see her and they tell her about all the vampires in Seattle because Edward hasn't told her because he sucks. Jacob finds out Bella's plan to get bit after graduation, which she, she promised to the Vampire Mafia, and he gets big mad about it and Bella goes home. Jacob assaults Bella, which we've talked about. The wolves and vamps take on an uneasy alliance to protect her from the vampire army. Jasper teaches them to fight a war, and they plan to do a real fight. This whole time we get the backstories for, like, everyone. This movie is mostly exposition. Edward proposes to Bella for real, and she accepts for real, which is stupid. Edward, Jacob, and Bella retreat to a camp in the mountains to hide Bella's scent from the newborn army and mislead them. Jacob finds out about the engagement, loses his shit. Bella agrees to let him kiss her again because otherwise he says he'll kill himself. Everyone survives the war except the newborn vampires and we finally, finally are free from this movie. Roll end credits.
2: The end. It was so long. Oh, it was. (sighs) Jeez. Like, in terms of crappy movie going into, yes, absolutely. But in terms of, like, world building, backstory, didn't mind that. That did it pretty well in this one. So, like... I think that was maybe the only somewhat enjoyable bit when there wasn't like the massive pissing context going on.
1: The plot of this movie does suck. It's not interesting. However, about like 40% of the movie is just going through like individuals' backstories. And for the most part, that's actually more interesting. They're all done, I mean, poorly and could stand to be improved upon, but definitely the best part of the movie.
2: I I don't know if someone's done it, but someone should absolutely go through and, at least for this movie, no context for the other movies if it's applicable, but, like, just cut all of the pissing contest out and just have, like, back-to-back backstory, some plot, character
1: development?
2: There's no character development in this. What about,
1: like, a Twilight without Edward? I would like to do, like, a cut of the Twilight movies where you just cut out, like, every scene with Edward, and, like, it's, it's just, like, a regular, like, high school coming-of-age movie. And and um Bella Swan is just there pining over this guy who we never see. No, no, we cut that out, too. Just any Edward, any reference to Edward, gone. So it's more like vampires want to kill Bella for no reason, and she has, like, some <laughs> vampire friends. I think that you could compress, like, the entire
2: five movies down into a 40-minute, like, TV episode length. thing.
0: Absolutely. But it'd be
1: so Question, good. does
0: Bella still go hang out and do baseball with the other vampires we just cut Edward out of it? Yeah, it's yes, like, absolutely. you have this teenage okay.
1: girl, and she's good friends with a family of vampires, just friends. There's this werewolf who really wants to get with her, but she's not into it. In this story, maybe Bella would be, like, Grey Arrow? Yeah, Maybe. I, w- I will say, if we cut all of Edward out of
0: all of the movies, and we will have to cut some of Jacob out, too, because he him and Edward have that pissing contest. What if
1: we just cut them both out? And then it just becomes a story of friendship, where Bella's friends with a bunch of vampires, and, like, maybe is sometimes friends with werewolves also. I'm not Heck sure if there'd yeah. be any werewolves left if we cut out every scene with Jacob. Yeah. I feel like if we cut the boys out, then Alice and...
0: Bella would maybe be more of an item. Not necessarily, like, a solid item, but it'll be hinted here and there.
1: Yeah, because you'd still have scenes where Alice tries to, like, say she wants Bella to become a vampire, but you don't have the context of Edward having to do with that. Definitely. Alice is pretty solid. I need to learn how to edit video so I can make this. (laughs) Back on topic. Let's start by talking about the werewolf backstory. The probably... You know when we say the backstories are better, like they're more interesting, but they aren't necessarily what I'd call good.
2: Absolutely not. Compared to the rest of the movie, though.
1: Compared to the, <laughs> the rest of the low. movie, yeah.
2: In the context of, I guess, the books and the movies and this world that Stephanie Meyer has created, they are relatively good. Yeah, I mean, relative. So, yeah. Relative is like the key term.
1: Relative, yeah, is the key term to a lot of things in Twilight. <laughs>
0: Yep. So the first backstory that we get is the werewolf one, Ooh. which like collective werewolf backstory
1: is fun, is a interesting term, I guess. It's not the first time we've had a look into the werewolf's backstory, but it's kind of, it gives you the context of like how the werewolves started, I guess, like how- And why they hate vampires as much as they do.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, we get that in the other backstories. All the backstories uh, about werewolves are about them hating vampires.
0: Although this one does give a reason. The other ones were just like, the Cullens don't come here. We have a treaty and that's it.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's not even backstory. That's just, this is the situation.
0: Yeah. So now the, the history in the movie was a little choppy and didn't fill in all the blanks. So I'm pulling from what I remember from the books. It talks about the first werewolves and how the original one was like a spirit wolf warrior from the original Kili'ut tribe. And it didn't say this in the movie, but he is out with his brother who is, I don't think, a werewolf. And this guy isn't a werewolf at the time either. Um, and a vampire comes by and kills his brother... And then he gets so mad about it, he turns into a spirit wolf and kills the vampire. And that's kind of how the werewolves start. And then it kind of spreads into more of the tribe for I don't know how. And then the vampire that he killed, that vampire's partner, comes down to fight the tribe. Because, you know, like James Victoria parallels. You you killed my partner. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Um, um, yep. <laughs> so, I think within the movie context, it was, like, a bunch of the tribe were out hunting or something and they stumbled across the quote-unquote cold man, um, and they attacked him because the cold man had found a bunch of their other clan yes, members, sounds and like. they saw them just spruing everywhere. Anyway, they killed the cold one, or well, that cold man, and then the cold woman, who was the cold man's other half, whatever, doesn't matter, came and took Rebegne upon the entire village. Yeah. Yeah. Thus
1: slaughtering like everyone in the process. Well, not quite. And basically, she slaughters all of the werewolves, like all of the ones you found that they could turn into werewolves. She slaughters all of them except for one. Who is like the chief or something? I think the chief? Yeah. And he's he's trying to fight her. Uh, And meanwhile, his wife is like crying over their son who was got by the werewolf or by the vampire, sorry. And he's losing the fight. So his wife sees him. And in order to distract the werewolf or God, in order to distract the vampire, she stabs herself because the vampire smells the blood and gets distracted and starts going after her. And that gives her husband the opportunity to uh, to kill her. Well, she's not looking. And not like a little stabbing. This was like a big fatal stabbing. Yeah, it wasn't like she just like cut herself a little. She died after that, even though the vampire didn't get to her before the husband uh, killed the vampire. She still died because she stabbed herself so hard. So
0: yeah, the moral of the werewolf story is that the most powerful thing that a woman can do is sacrifice herself for her man, which is a fun thing that Bella uses later. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a
1: it's, it's a neat tool we'll have we'll, <laughs> what's that meme? It's a surprise tool that helps Bella later. Yep, that's
2: yeah. what it says.
1: That's what it says in the thing. Yeah. Um, let's save the best for last. Let's get into Jasper's backstory next. Okay, that's funny. um if you thought the stuff with the werewolves had overt racism, wait till you hear about Jasper. Oh, boy, howdy. So as we've talked about before, Jasper was a Confederate soldier. Jasper fought for the South. Jasper fought in favor of slavery. Anyways, we don't have time to unpack all that. Let's move on to the interesting part of Jasper's on, backstory. No, no, no. Sorry,
2: sorry. It's at this point about halfway through the movie, I think this is about halfway, that he's like, yeah, back in Texas. And it's at this point I started shouting in our notes document because what do you mean he's from Texas? He doesn't have the accent to be from Texas. What is this? He really
0: doesn't. (laughs) Thank you, Space, for also being upset about him not having an accent. I'm so mad.
2: He doesn't sound like he could be maybe a little bit more Southern. Maybe it doesn't have to be 100% full Southern whatever Texas has an accent. I don't know. I don't do accents but like that was nothing nothing i don't i don't understand
0: i did complain about this to alex yesterday and he's like well he's like a hundred something
2: years old he probably just like trained himself out of it no but that's the thing Okay, no, that's the thing. If you're a child and you go to another country other than your birth country and you learn to speak that language in that accent... So I've got a friend who moved to the States for a couple of years, did a bunch of schooling there, came back for a final years at high school, but she still had that accent. If that's how you learn to speak as a child and growing up, you kind of keep that. Even my grandparents have been in Australia for 40 years and still have a Danish accent when they speak. Like... You don't just lose that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: It, it, it's it's ingrained into the way you speak. And just because you're... <sighs> anyway, I'm going to stop on this rant. Um, You should have a southern accent, even if it's not fully Texan or whatever. But, like... You you should have, at have at least a slight
1: accent. Mm-hmm. Like, anyone I've just known... so little drawl. Yeah, yeah, like, my grandma moved to Canada when she was 18 and lived here for, like, I don't know... I do some quick math, like 65 years or something, she still had her British accent.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's
1: that same thing. You don't lose the accent
2: just because you've spin in a new place for 60 years, 100 years, 200 years. Like They hang around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, the good backstory.
1: No, no. I mean, we still have the rest of Jasper's backstory to Oh, talk we about. <laughs> Jasper we really fought for to... the slaves
2: and doesn't have an accent. Next question.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Like We covered the good things
2: oh no wait it is important because it gives Bella the realisation TM of like what the actual situation is like what what is up in the background she, she has the nightmare revelation she's like oh, Jasper was right all along and Edward's like what the hell are you on about woman
1: Jasper was right all along the confederate states should secede from the US <laughs>
2: <laughs> you're right sorry I should word that better I should like half speak and leave it as is the moral of jasper's backstory was that the vampire lady he was fighting for uh maybe we uh, should
1: tell jasper's backstory and then we we can get to that (laughs) all right sure we can do that so jasper's backstory okay so he starts as a confederate soldier because like why not anyways that's just like the first 30 seconds yep then he gets (laughs) turned by this vampire lady and she's like building armies of newborns and mm-hmm. basically cuz newborns are like super powerful for the first year but they have no control. And so like basically the implication is that there's this the the civil war is going on but then there's this secondary vampire war happening underneath the civil war where old vampires are creating like armies of newborn vampires to fight against each other just cuz. Yeah. Well, they're doing it to to like territorial secure
0: feeding ground territory.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's like this secondary vampire turf war going on underneath the civil war.
2: There are actually two maps in America. One is the one we all know and may love or may not. I don't know. And then the other is like how the vampire territories are split, and nobody knows
1: about it. Secret histories.
2: Secret history. Hamilton, anyway. except it's vampires. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Christ, was- you guys, could I get into this backstory? <laughs> that is the backstory, though. <laughs> so for her part, the person who turns Jasper, she's like basically creating armies of newborns. And then as soon as they get to be like a year old, she kills them off because she doesn't need them anymore. So she just kills them. They're not powerful. They're not super powerful anymore.
2: Their own blood running through their veins is dried up. So she's like, yeet, petite gets rid of
1: them yeah so when she realizes jasper has this empath power she keeps him around because he can calm everyone down by like controlling their emotions and like so he becomes like her trainer basically training the newborn armies and like making sure that they're able to stay controlled because that's the whole thing with the newborns is that they're totally out of control but they're super powerful so jasper becomes like her secret weapon But she also makes Jasper do all the murders when the newborn's blood is dried up. And him being an empath means he feels everything that the vampires he kills feel as he kills them. So, like, that's just fun.
2: Jasper is, like,
1: super evil. (laughs) Nobody
2: really... (laughs) Like, all things considered, Jasper is considerably not as screwed up as he could have been which is just a wild in and of himself i don't know how he's just like not fully unhinged because
1: that would because he found true love and he has alice and the power of true love it saved him the power of true love and bad writing you know i'm kind
0: of mad because i really like jasper's backstory aside from him being racist yeah just rewrite it, make it better. I think he's really interesting. I really like him as a character. And this is just like a stupid little nugget that you didn't actually Yeah, I drop got in I there. got like, super
2: invested. And I'm
1: like, no wait,
2: he was pro slavery.
1: I'm like, oh. It barely even mentions that he fought for the Confederates. Like they very easily could have had the exact same backstory with him fighting for the North, and I don't know why they didn't. Stephanie Meyer, she makes calls. They're not good. Yeah, she makes very bad calls all the time.
2: Mm-hmm. I would like to at least think that Jasper's got updated
1: moral standpoints on stuff. I, I'm sure he does, but it's still just like to have that backstory and just oh, like never really acknowledge or whatever that that's his backstory. Like they're basically yeah. just like, ah, yes, I was a Confederate st- soldier, and it only gets worse from there. He just like throws it in there, like yeah that's what i mean like it's totally unchecked like I- i'm not saying that he couldn't have been an interesting character because of that and had that been an important part of his character but it's not an important part of his character nor no. is it ever really talked about at all
2: yeah it's so a it's a whole thing mm-hmm. it unfortunately happened
1: like a lot of this movie a lot of this movie unfortunately happened <laughs> this movie just
2: unfortunately <laughs> happened <laughs> mhm. That's that's the whole Eclipse re- recap. Okay, everyone go home. We're done. Podcast over. <laughs> Could probably
1: have just skipped Eclipse and it would have been an all right series anyway. Honestly, yeah, the series doesn't um how do I put this? Eclipse just feels like filler. Like the whole movie is filler. Yeah. She's just like,
2: "Quick, I need to stall. Uh uh here I have a compilation of like all these backstories that I didn't know where to put else." have those, and, gives, and then Smyre gives herself another year to write whatever the next book is. It was, it was like she
0: wanted a reason to write a bunch of fluff because the last one, like the one before that, was so depressing. But also she wanted to like resolve the Victoria thing and give some backstory that nobody had. I
1: would not call any part of this movie fluff. No, absolutely not. I mean, aside from in the sense that the whole series is fluff, but like- Listen, it's definitely, like, <laughs> constant, like, darkness and abuse and shit. <laughs> Unless you're someone like Smire,
0: who is all about that shit. I used to- this was my favorite book back in the day. It's horrible
1: now. I hate it so much. But this was my favorite one. Yeah, I, and I mean, to be honest, I can see that, though, because- it gets into the backstories, and we're always saying how like the side characters are so much more interesting than the main characters in these true. in these movies and these stories. Did you mean Harry Potter? Ed in Harry Potter too. It it's that it's that weird thing a lot of like I guess
2: popular books do. Uh, they have bland main characters, and part of that I comes from I guess the the ability to project onto them easily because there's not a lot there and as a result there is so much more like you can do with side characters and secondary main characters and antagonists all that sort of stuff than you can do with a bland main character because by trying to keep it as generic as possible it means you can make them the most flexible in any situation. Thank you Space for justifying our
0: point. We're not crazy everyone. Space hasn't
2: listened <laughs> to our show and doesn't know that this is our point all the time. So oh, as I'm you so can glad see- <laughs> I have a professional and creative writing degree. Like, (laughs) Mm, this is what I do with myself.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this is like, we have whole episodes about the fact that, like, the main characters are meant to be projections and bland. Yep, absolutely. And it's lazy writing. There's nothing interesting about the main characters. (sighs) And yes, I know we've already gotten this rant a hundred times, but... God, they're so boring. Can we now move on to the most interesting backstory? Did we say what, like,
2: the conclusion of Jasper's thing was and how, like, it was an epiphany? That stuff? Did we cover that? No. Maybe? No. Anyway, so Jasper's backstory makes Bella have a nightmare, which makes her realize that Victoria is actually the one behind the vampire army in Seattle.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I missed that part.
2: Yep. So...
1: Let's talk about Rosalie, our favorite- I don't know, how do I put this? Our favorite vapid bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. I believe uh, in the last episode we decided that Rosalie is now property of Breaking Twilight TMTMTM.
1: Yes. Rosalie, yes, belongs to Breaking Twilight now because Stephanie Meyer has no fucking clue how to write her consistently and she's actually very cool. Oh, absolutely. So Rosalie tells Bella her backstory on a
2: balcony staring off distantly into the night, I want to say. It might have been day. It's
1: so overcast and cloudy there. Who, it who was night because Bella was like, why do you hate me? And she was like, I don't hate you. I'm jealous of you. You have a choice. So
2: Rosalie's whole deal with her backstory was her murdering her rapists in a wedding dress, which is so valid and badass. A lot of respect. She seems so cool. This is the first and like kind of only time she really rocks up and gets her own stuff in this movie. I don't know about previous movies or future movies, but she's pretty cool. I like her. Massive respect.
1: So yeah, Rosalie's backstory, she gets raped by the person she has a huge crush on. She's engaged to him. Yeah. Oh, she's engaged to him by that point? What? Yeah.
2: It, it, she she says that thing, she was in love with the idea of love, which I think is kind of a poetic way to sum up the entirety of Biller and Ed's relationship.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So he and his friends get drunk and rape her and leave her to die, basically. And Carlisle finds her and turns her into a vampire, but she never got a choice. Yeah. Carlisle thought he was doing her a favor. Uh, and she's mad because she didn't want to be a vampire she wants to grow old and like have a husband and stuff she loves that traditional shit and like she wants like grandkids and stuff but after she gets turned she does kill all of her rapists one by one and she leaves her fiance for last so that he knows she's coming and she shows up in a wedding dress and it's so dramatic and it's so Good! Like, yeah! Fucking murder
2: them! They deserve it! It's amazing. Honestly, best scene in the entire film was Rosalie working in through that door in a wedding
1: dress and, like, the fear in her ex-fiance's eyes. And, like, Rosalie's whole thing in telling Bella her backstory is, like, I don't hate you, but I think you're young and you don't realize the decision you're making. And I desperately wish that I had a choice. And I don't think you're being allowed to have a choice. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Oh man, I have in here I
0: don't I don't remember the context for this, but in our copy there's just a note from yesterday where I said,
2: Edward, please shut up, I'm dying. I don't <laughs> remember what I was talking about, but that's always relevant. You know what? It was probably one of those really bad, cheesy, like romance scenes where he's oh, trying to... probably. I say cheesy. It's not cheesy. It's just bad. Like, it's yeah. not even good, cheesy, stereotypical romance, which I don't like, generally. It's just bad writing. And honestly, you know how they do mad, weird adaptions when they turn, like, books into movies? I don't understand why that didn't happen with this series. Like, honestly, the writing for the books is bad, and I haven't read them. And the writing for the films is just as bad. And I'm only seeing one of them, so I don't know at what point that just didn't happen.
1: Like, and they really don't change much in the films. Like, they yeah. could have changed a lot, and they're pretty true to the books, which is why we kind of just talk about them interchangeably. Mm.
0: Yeah, you know what? This was probably because he was proposing to her, and it was gross and stupid. Oh God, don't get it.
1: Probably was, which we're gonna get into. Because it's time now to talk about abuse and women having no agency in Twilight. Jazz <laughs> A running theme for her
0: show. <laughs> <laughs> so, Edward repeatedly asks Bella to marry him in stupid context. And it's annoying and manipulative. He's like, fucking, I don't know.
2: They're doing stupid shit. She'll like, hey, like- can you pass
0: me the remote? And he'll be like, marry me first. Like, stop.
2: What are stop you that. doing? That's not-
1: No! It's just- <laughs> That didn't and happen, like, but it might as well have. It might it it, it, happened it off screen. would basically be stuff like that. It absolutely like, happened. Off oh screen. hey, Ed, would you grab me a glass of water? I will if you marry me. And it's like what? Dumb. No,
2: Dan. Good damn.
1: Goddamn and he's it. just repeatedly asking her this constantly, and she like, she does explain to him like why she doesn't really believe in the Constitution of Marriage and like why she doesn't want to get married at her age. She wants like, to wait a bit. She's so valid in but, doing that, and I think like. As a whole, the Institute of Marriage is kind of bullshit as it's currently set up. Um, Although it is, like, really ironic because she's like, Yeah, Ed, turn me into a vampire. I'm never going to want anything except you. Uh, and I'm fine with being 18 for the rest of my life. But also, I'm just, like, not really sure about marriage. It, it, it is kind of weird logic when you look at the bigger picture. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, so this goes on constantly throughout the film and, I guess, the book. And... Uh, uh, I have a lot of feelings. They're all negative towards this. Give us the feelings. <laughs> I, I don't even know where to start. I feel like we definitely, definitely bitched about it Like at some point. It might be further in our notes. I don't know. But, yeah, I guess it's, a lot of that comes down to that manipulation and... Like, they don't – they're still in that gross, early, lovey-dovey stage of love. And I – and a lot of people, once they get out of that, don't act anything like they do. And they want more space. And Bella is just, like, completely disregarded the rest of her life
1: for Edward. And it's, like, honey, honey, please. I mean – Please. Bella's acting like an 18-year-old. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, she is an 18-year-old. And the only person who seems to see that she is a fucking 18-year-old is Rosalie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is like, all right, you want to be a vampire? Okay, I sure. See no problem with that. Oh, At man. one point, to like get Edward to shut up about the marriage thing, she says, you know, one in three marriages end in divorce. And he's like, well, I think you'll find the human-vampire divorce rate is much lower. <laughs> Mm. What, is, what is that no what what does that mean excuse me what, what is he implying is that Quick, because everybody like... list off every like human vampire relationship you can think of go Blair and Edward yeah there it is so- First off, there's no human vampire relationships. Secondly, if we're gonna look at it as vampire vampire relationships, is the answer because like usually one of them dies? Oh yeah. They don't get divorced, one <laughs> of them just dies. One what of them gets divorced. How, get, how many vampire divorce lawyers do you know? Like <laughs> I feel like it's not like it's lower because vampires are in healthier relationships. It's lower because there is no data. It's not even lower. Where are you getting your data? Who's collecting this information? Your sample sizes are small. You should feel bad.
2: Sample size is one. One. There is one whole sample size. But, like, that's the thing I had about Edward. He's so big on the, oh, I'll marry you and, like, love you and stuff. But, like, she will die at some point. And I think you, you guys covered this at some point, like, today, before we started recording, I think, about how Edward in the previous film was talking about just killing himself once she died, which...
1: What the fuck? What the right? fuck? He just, like, got an escape
2: plan. He's like, don't even
0: worry, babe. When you die of old age, I will still be 17, but then I'll kill myself, so it's
2: fine. What? Oh, my God. What? Also, can we just uh, appreciate the fact that, like, they're going to spend their entire, like, eternity together just in high school. Again and again and again. And it's going to be fucking a fucking nightmare. Uh, I
1: at one Carlisle point, they'll go to, to high be-
2: school with their daughter. Yeah. At one point they will go to high school with their daughter forever. No. Oh Oh. yeah, boy. Oh. I have a lot of hate. I forgot about that.
0: Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Edward doesn't ever tell Bella what's going on. There's always some fucking vampire drama going on, and it's always like, There's another vampire trying to eat Bella, and they just like keep it super hush hush. They're the, like she's like it fucking i'm picturing like a cartoon scene where there's a vampire in the bushes and he's like trying to grab bella's hoodie I want to but suck like your another blood. vampire comes by and like whoa like tackles him like it's that shit like all the time she's like very narrowly gets eaten and instead of like participating because like it's always her ideas that save the day in the end Yeah. but instead of like hey maybe bella should know that she's like being actively hunted they're
2: just like Hey babe, let's go to town. We're going to go to town this weekend,
1: babe? Let's go to town. Like, I'll oh, keep
2: you safe. Not in this town. In another town. And then, like, it's always the werewolves who somehow know, despite, like, the werewolves should not have as much intel on in the vampire situation as they do. But they do. And so it's always Jacob who ends up being like, this is the situation. I can't believe your shitty ass boyfriend didn't tell you. Here's another reason why he's crap. And you should be with me instead. He, he's always like, but I'm protecting you, Bella. And like, N- I mean, she should be aware.
0: Yeah. Right? It's like, she's trying to cross the street and there's cars coming and, like, he always, is, like, froggering her across the street. And she's like, there are no cars.
2: What are you talking about? Like, there's there's danger. She should be aware of the danger. She's also, like, she's 18. She is an adult. Even if she makes terrible decisions, she should be allowed to make her own decisions.
1: Agreed. Well, and also, like, he's constantly asking her to marry him, but won't let her be a part of the family and know the things that the family knows. She's constantly kept in the dark about everything. And it's this whole, like, preserving her innocence thing that is so gross about it.
0: Also, the rest of her family also wants her to know the things. They're always like, Edward, you should tell him or you should tell her. And he's like, no, no, I'm
1: just protecting her this way. Like. Get on the same page, please. It's re- Yeah, it's really just Edward that's a piece of shit. The rest of the family actually, like, gives good advice and cares about letting her know things. So, uh, around this point, they find out that there's a vampire been in Bella's room. Isn't that so funny? A vampire being in Bella's room without Bella knowing and without her consent? Huh. Could you imagine huh. a vampire Me. going into Bella's room Ooh. without her consent? Can you? Can you imagine? And yeah. I mean, like... <sighs> It's that thing of like, oh, yeah, by the
2: way, there's someone here who's after you. Guess you're in danger. And then Jacob's like, you've been in danger for like literally fucking months and your crappy boyfriend who sparkles in the sunlight won't tell you.
1: Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. this is kind of like why we came to the conclusion that they're both terrible, but Jacob is like marginally better because he will actually fucking tell her, tell her what's going on. Communication is key in any relationship. Mm -hmm. And then we have the scene. TM, capital T, capital S, the scene. Oh boy, yeah. There's it, there's a couple moments in this movie where just multiple men invalidate Bella's agency in very rapid succession. This is the first one. The second one, it happens faster. So this is the scene where Jacob decides that he's
0: going to prove that he has a shot with Bella. And he just like fucking kisses her. Kisses her. Like, roughly, and, like, she's, like, struggling, and he's like, no, we're gonna do this, and he just, like, makes out with her against her
1: consent and will, and then she punches him in the face and breaks her fucking hand. We've talked about this at length in other episodes, and we're gonna talk about it later in, like, uh, the context of, like, the werewolves. Mm -hmm. I just want to leave it, I think, as I am going to break into Stephanie Meyer's house and replace all her coffee grounds with chinchilla droppings. Let's go <laughs> on to the next point. I think that's a good place to leave that. Yeah. Oh, boy. So
0: many scenes in this movie caused Steve some physical damage and made me take 1d10 psychic damage.
2: Did you actually roll for that? I did. I think you
0: the know context what? Wait, this
1: I'm time
0: right Wait, I'm rolling about... psychic damage. Okay. You want to hear all my dice roll at once? <laughs> You only needed to roll one D ten. I it's in the bottom of the bag. But you have to roll all of them to get it out.
2: She <laughs> had to pour them out of the bag. So hey, can I find rolled it. a ten. Hey, nice. <laughs> the most all right. Anyway, damage.
1: Gwen is dead. I host this podcast with space now.
2: <laughs> uh, can I come on oh as boy. a guest ghost? Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> I only have ten HP.
1: <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> you're a wizard (laughs) first level (laughs) podcaster it doesn't give you a lot of health okay (laughs) Gwen's dead but this was all in context of the engagement scene that we all fucking hate oh my god Edward being like oh I wish I was human so I could do this properly I would court you
0: are you gonna quote this whole thing
1: again we no, I'm already. done. That was it. You say here you, you say things now. I'm done. <laughs> <sighs>
0: Vampires can adapt to modern technology, but they can't update their ideals of, you know, marriage and courting and asking your father for permission.
1: And also like it's literally like The definition of he wore her down because he asked her like hundreds and hundreds of times before we get to this fucking scene. Like,
2: honestly, in the context of he's old as fuck and hasn't updated his most, uh, like, standards and ideals and understanding of everything, it's probably why he thinks it's appropriate to ask for Bella's hand in marriage at 18 and, like, expect that from her. Because if you go back that far, that was kind of
1: the role women had
2: in society.
1: Well and also why he thinks it's appropriate to ask her after she he's like repeatedly asked her and she's repeatedly explained why she doesn't yeah. want to get married. Also, he asked her
2: like the day before they're all supposed to go off to war. Oh my god, yeah. Like <laughs> Classic. I mean like the main point from this is that they go to war the next day and then like the morning after they go to war after they've like whisked Bella away. Ed's no. Someone's whisked Bella away to a campsite where she almost, like, fucking freezes to death. She went Okay, Jacob takes her up to the mountains. Thank you.
0: And at first, she's wearing, like, a jacket and a hat, which is great. But then, in the next scene, she's out on, like, the snowy mountaintop in, like, a thin flannel. And that makes me mm-hmm. angry.
1: Ooh, right. This is the other scene where multiple men invalidate her agency in, like, rapid succession. So first- hey. Edward talks about their engagement knowing that Jacob can hear them but Bella doesn't know that Jacob can hear them what a and dick. she's trying not to tell him and he knows and yeah Edward knows Bella doesn't want Jacob to know that right now and he does it anyways Bella literally says I will tell him after this
2: fight battle war whatever but like he needs to have a clear head going into this but it and was like to kill Jacob. fuck it whatever the prick can know and Edward is, once again, an absolute ass about the entire thing, and yeah.
1: Yeah, like, Bella's specifically not telling Jacob because she knows it will cause him to get hurt, like, physically get hurt in war, so he wa- she wants to wait till after. It's absolutely a spite move, because the previous
2: night you have Jacob cuddling up to Bella to huddle for warmth, because apparently no one knows how to make a fire When they're camping and, like, Bella falls asleep in Jacob's arms because it's warm. Hey, understandable. Have a nice day. Not freezing to death is a good way to go. Um, And then Edward and Jacob
1: have a civil conversation? Like, that's so out of character. What the fuck? Mm -hmm. It's a civil conversation because... Ed- jacob thinks he has the upper hand because he cuddled with bella oh my God. and edward knows that he's about to get revenge by talking about yeah. him and bella's engagement in earshot of jacob Absolutely. without bella knowing so yep. bella reasonably gets mad about that yeah and she goes up after jacob to talk about it with him and then this is where Jacob basically admits that he was only fucking protecting her because he assumed that eventually he would leave Edward for
2: him. Oh my god. Rather than because she's, like, one of your best friends and you guys have known each other for, like, literally your entire lives. Like, wow, the value of friendship means nothing. Also because it's just, like, generally the right thing to do. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. we got a a Mm -hmm. bunch of vampires coming after you who want to kill you. Yeah, screw my feelings right thing to do is to keep you safe
1: so basically he tells bella that he's going to kill himself now because if there's no way that she's going to leave edward for him he's going to kill himself and so she allows him to kiss her because she thinks that letting him do that is the only way for him to not die and like a reasonable person she doesn't want him to die even though she doesn't she also is not going to leave Edward for him. Ugh. And it's played off to be, like, romantic. And he says this thing about, like, oh, that should have been our first kiss. And it's like, it's not romantic. It's, it's just not. a different flavor of sexual assault. Absolutely. Like, it's done under duress. Like,
2: accepting Edward's hand in marriage. Oh, boy,
1: like she was threatened into it. Yeah. Like, just to go on a rant for a second, I feel like I could write a whole TED Talk about how these movies encourage sexual assault as a virtue. Like, they kind of, there's all these ways that, like, women being sexually assaulted and then being protected by men is, like, portrayed as, like, just the only way a woman can have virtue is, and, like, have any kind of emotional meaning in their life is by being sexually assaulted. But then at the same time, other kinds of sexual assault get romanticized and women's agency being taken away from them repeatedly is played as, like, this romantic gesture. And, like, I think the fact that these books were so popular with 12 to 15-year-olds in 2008 affected how an entire generation of now adult women see romance. And, like, honestly, not just that generation, because I had a really sad conversation with my uncle's wife about these movies once. And honestly, it wouldn't be a TED Talk so much as just like 10 minutes of me screaming incoherently. Yeah, I was
2: going to say the same thing, because it's that thing of this is a teen- romance series at its core that is why it was written that was the audience it was targeted at it does a terrible job at portraying healthy relationships and relationship dynamics and how you should treat other people mm-hmm. so at this point uh jacob's run off to find the war and get himself killed or maybe not who knows what's going through he that does kid, get I- severely hurt yeah that is true in the war he does so yeah, point to Edward, I guess. Yeah, um, but Victoria and her lackey, uh, I don't even know what his name is. Oh, I don't think
1: it's, it's Riley. Ben. Riley. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. <laughs> I'm like, that sounds right. I that already. tracks.
2: Yep, it wasn't important enough for me to remember. But yeah, Victoria and Riley, uh, find Bella and Edward because Edward, being an absolute twat and not thinking things pr- through properly, is like oh shit, they're close, they tracked my scent and they know you're going to be with me. And I'm like, you're such a fucking dingus. It's not even funny. Like, what the hell is wrong with you, you dumbass clown? Mm -hmm. So pretty much there is a fight between Edward and the two vampires so that they can try to get Bella. And like the Ouroboros, we come full circle and Bella, heavy quotation marks, sacrifices herself
1: Mm -hmm.
2: for the man. She does it in the exact same way, too. She, like,
1: cuts herself.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But, like, she doesn't actually get herself killed. She, like, picks up a knife and just, like, I don't even know if it's a knife. I don't know what it is. But she picks up something and, like, slices across. a of ice.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's an icicle. Which
2: it should absolutely not do that. I don't think icicles are that sharp. And they should also start melting. I have cut myself ice before.
1: Oh, have you? We don't get snow (laughs) here, so I wouldn't know. (laughs) It's pretty hard to cut yourself on ice. Like to do a slicing cut, it would be really hard. You'd be have an easier job like stabbing yourself with ice, but that's not what she does. So she drags it across her hand and like slices her hand open. Why do they always cut their hand when like someone has to like get blood? It's always the hand, and like that's the most painful place to cut yourself. Absolutely. Like why not like your shoulder? I mean, like, it would have been so much
2: more effective if she just stabbed herself through the shoulder not, like, a slicing cut. Like, again, it's that thing of... It's a pointy object. It would be doing better piercing damage than slashing damage.
1: I actually, I think I want to backtrack. Like, I think you could... You could slice yourself with an icicle. You just have to push really hard. Mm, Okay. It is difficult to get a deep enough cut to bleed that much. Yeah, but, like, I'm thinking about, like, permanent damage. If she was going to go for her shoulder, I think, like... Just a really, really hard pressure slice would be the best way to, like, ensure she bleeds and not get permanent damage. She probably wouldn't bleed that much, though.
2: I was about to make the argument, but she's wearing layers of clothes. She can't do that. Pretty sure she's still out there in a tank top and a flannel because she never changes her wardrobe. Yeah. Right?
1: She absolutely is in a tank top and a flannel in that scene. Yes, it's ridiculous. And it's the same outfit that she was wearing in the
0: beginning when she was making out with Edward in the meadow in the summer. Oh, my God.
1: So, <laughs> that is not... <laughs> so then, like, back to, like what's happening in the movie at this point so she sacrifices quote-unquote herself by cutting her hand and then esme shows up for like the first fucking time in the whole movie Mm -hmm. and i'm reminded again oh yeah she was in the haunting of hill house yeah i um i saw
2: you know she's like oh she's here she's spoken i'm like have we actually seen this chick before i'm just sitting there i'm like <laughs> you don't look she has, familiar like, no role in this
1: movie <laughs> i'm assuming
2: you're with the vampires because you're not a wolf but you don't look familiar at all who the heck are you and then like the 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 the, the, the um the side guys were like esme i'm like oh nice to have a name i guess <laughs> 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 yeah fair i didn't think about that but yeah you probably wouldn't have known like brie tanner who she steps in for as a mother figure to try and help and protect her before the vampire mafia get her um brie tanner has more screen time than esme does in this film oh absolutely Absolutely.
0: does
1: yeah esme like i don't know if i just missed it but like i don't i know she's in a few background shots because like any shot with the family she's there but like i don't think Mm, she not always she maybe only had, like, one or two lines the whole movie. Like, I don't remember her being around very much. She gets as, less screen time than Brie Tanner and as much
2: voice line as Brie Tanner, which is really saying something. But it's yeah. okay. Oh, it's not. Because she's a wife and therefore she does not matter in the general scheme of things. That
1: is Stephanie Meyer's message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Do we want to talk about werewolves for a little bit? Yeah, I think that's... Let's talk about werewolves yeah. real quick. Leah? Is very cool. Mm-hmm. Once again, similar to Rosalie. Stop threatening us with a good time. Mm-hmm. Leah exists literally to be like a misogynistic stereotype because she's like hates everyone and she insists on being like in the wolf pack, even though everyone in the wolf pack hates her. But like, she's a fucking werewolf. Yeah. And you are supposed to hate her because she hates. I mean, she hates Sam for what he did to her, and he she hates all the vampires and Bella because she has to constantly listen to Jacob's stupid thoughts about them. Yeah, that's fair. So you're supposed to hate Leah, but, like, she's completely justified in all this. Leah's is a And valid. also is really cool. Like, she could be the most interesting character in the story, except for the fact that, like, she is specifically written in this way that you're supposed to hate her. God. Yeah. Also, don't forget that because she's a werewolf, she can't have children, which, once again,
0: thank you, Smyre, is the worst possible fate for any woman ever.
1: Oh, uh, the worst possible thing that could ever happen is to not be able to have children. Oh, no, it's yeah. the end of the world. Also, she's the only female werewolf. We don't know that she can't have children. Yeah, that's true. Like, this, this never yeah, happened Yeah, because the male before. werewolves can have children. Yeah, but Leah can't, for
2: werewolf reasons,
1: mm-hmm. question. Mark. Whatever werewolf reasons, yeah. And also, like, okay,
2: if she can't have children, how do you know that's a werewolf-specific thing and maybe not something, like, genetically she had prior
1: to that? Mm. Mm-hmm. Now here's the next fun fact corner about this movie. Um, yep. All of the vampires... Like, everyone's supposed to be about the same age, but all of the vampires are played by people in, like, their mid-20s. Uh-huh. All of the werewolves are played by actual teenagers all of the vampires are fully clothed at all times all of the werewolves are constantly shirtless great the doesn't he own a shirt line is the funniest line in the movie but like we have to talk about how there's constant like gratuitous shots of jacob's abs and like jacob's like chest and shit and like Taylor Lautner was 17 when they filmed this movie. Oh, it makes me feel so ick. That's mm, not okay. It's so
2: gross. Not okay.
1: And, like, they're both awful, but, like, in Edward's case, like, he's awful in this way that, like, white Mormon women find attractive and is, like, deliberately written to be... He's, like, like, white-collar awful. And then, like, in Jake's case, like, he's basically written as, like, a really racist stereotype and... I I put this in our notes to talk about because, like, it really comes through the most in this movie versus the other movies. But this is basically, like, verbatim from episode two. Like, we have to talk about there's these themes of men being angry due to biological issues and women being forced to take the blame for men's anger as they aggravate known biological issues. But, like, these characteristics specifically are only applied to indigenous people and then by the factor of like how werewolves work they are made to be specifically a result of them being indigenous because only indigenous people can be werewolves and then they also give this trait of given this this trait of being able to imprint on women which leaves you with like Basically, indigenous people being framed as predatory. There's an arranged marriage angle of it. And then there's, of course, the fact that imprinting is only happening on the man's side and the women have no say over it. And then the violence that werewolves are being shown as doing to people they care about unintentionally is shown again as like a biological trait of their race. And yeah. Does anybody have any final takes?
2: Before we oh boy. pack up, um, this movie just dragged the fuck out. But I think we've been over that. Um, I hated the graduation uniforms so much. Oh my god! <laughs> Space was big
0: mad about the graduation uniforms. Oh yeah.
2: They were yellow. I'm so Who graduates in yellow. They're yellow. It's not a problem if they're yellow. The fact is that they are yellow, washed out yellow, with the blue filter that like. It perpetuates through forks like they're so disgusting they look like they've been hung out into it's the, the, the sun color and space. faded
1: they don't have a school uniform the school uniform. colors is blue filter no but the, the school colors <laughs> are blue and gold yes, there was no blue. color even if they don't have a uniform there's no blue in that graduation uniform they were just off and gross yellow gold. it was
2: yellow exactly like <laughs> Oh my god! They should have been like a nice navy deep blue type of thing with like gold highlight and mm-hmm. trim across the sl- ends of the sleeves and the bottom of the gown and up near the collar.
1: Um, Space redesigns the graduation <laughs> gowns.
0: <laughs> hey, when you're re-editing all of the movies to cut out Edward and Jacob, make sure you Photoshop in all of the gowns to be better. <laughs> i
1: saying Photoshop.
0: It's a video. <laughs> what? What's the word then? <laughs> Fucking fix it's it in post. I don't know. We'll fix it's it in, in post.
1: post. Um. After effects. I don't know. It's not Photoshop, though. Yeah. God. <laughs> That's such a do pet I look peeve like a filmmaker? Mine. No, I'm. I need to go off topic for a second. That's such a huge pet peeve of mine when people say Photoshop in reference <laughs> to a video. They're like, Ah, oh, yeah, Photoshop it in. It's a fucking video. Video shop
0: it in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Oh, the room was still worse, though. Um, that is something that, like, I will say, it was nowhere near as bad as the room. But as uh, Steve did point out, like, the room was shorter. The room
1: was shorter and therefore oh better. God. Oh, my God. Um. I think I laughed more at the I room. I think I laughed more at the room. <laughs> this You couldn't laugh at this. It was just bad. Like, the
2: room was bad, but you could still take the piss and, like, laugh at it because it was that bad. This is just, it's not bad enough to laugh at it. Because they try so hard and it just doesn't work. (sighs) Also, like, my other final note is like Edward's glowy sparkle bullshit, which like I've heard about this for so long, for so many years, and I've always taken the Is this the first time you've seen the sparkle bullshit? Yes,
1: it's the first time I've seen the sparkle bullshit. So in the opening scene, he
2: sparkles. I'm like, okay, cool. It doesn't look so much like sparkle as much as like um sunlight coming in through like um, holes in a ceiling or something and like lighting up. It kind of looks like the sunlight is filtering through him in spots, that type of thing. That's pretty cool. Except like he's standing in the sun right at the end before they're about to go do the war bullshit or whatever up on the mountain. And he's glowing like a fucking lamp he doesn't have that much sparkle to glow he shouldn't be glowing that much he's basically a disco ball he's a disco ball but he doesn't sparkle like a disco ball like if he if he glows that much then when you have face on shots, he should be sparkling but there should also be an aura of light around his face because that's how much he glows even though like the little sparkles of sparkle don't give off that much light
1: (sighs) Anyway, <laughs> my final take on this is I think Carlisle and Billy should be friends. I think they'd make good pals. I think they'd be good together. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. They should have like secret fishing trips. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't tell like any of the other vampires or werewolves. They're like the real Romeo and Juliet. Yes, But like in a friendship way. <laughs> in a friendship way. <laughs> <laughs> Platonic Romeo
2: and Juliet. Platonic. Yeah, I like it. I like that. Star-crossed buds. Nice.
1: <laughs> nice Star Trek Star Crossed Buds <laughs> Car- Car- oh, Carlisle and Billy. Star crossed buds. <laughs> God. Oh boy.
0: While it's fun to talk about the Twilight universe and make jokes about this thing that was such a huge part of our childhood, we can't ignore the real life racism and prejudices that influence these works. Particularly with regards to indigenous people. So we would instead like to draw your attention to Truth vs. Twilight, a collaborative effort between the Burke Museum and the Quileute Tribe to inform people about real-life culture and history. We strongly recommend you take a look at their website. You can find a link in the show notes. You will also find a link there to their Move to Higher Grounds website, where we encourage you to make a donation.
1: So that wraps up this episode of Breaking Twilight. Have a question, comment, or suggestion? Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at twilight underscore pod and Tumblr at breaking twilight. You can also email us at breakingtwilightpod at gmail.com. Catch you later.
0: I I just had an image of all the Cullens sitting around the dinner table with Jasper. And doing like a like a shark AA from from <laughs> Finding Nemo, being like that, no, Jasper. <laughs> Humans are friends, not food. <laughs>
2: I love it.